time God may want to tap us on the shoulder and says, I've got an idea, I've got a plan, I've, I've got something I want to use you for, we often have excuses. Well, I'm not very good at it, or I don't know what to do, I don't know how. We have a lot of excuses that tend to keep us from allowing God to use us. And that's what this whole series has been about, letting God use each and every one of us and showing through God's word all the different people and types of people and groups of people that God has used to do some incredible, incredible things. I want to look at one last one today as we wrap up this series. So if you have your Bibles, head over to Joshua. Old Testament, the book of Joshua. Guess who we're going to learn about today? Joshua, not a trick question. So yes, Joshua. Let me give you some background, some history on what's happening as you get to Joshua chapter 1. Prior to this, uh, the Israelites have been held as slaves in Egypt. So God raised up a man named Moses and sent Moses to rescue the Israelites out of Egypt. And God did incredible things through Moses. I mean, it was through Moses that he talked with him through a burning bush. And it was through Moses that God used him with all the different plagues. I mean, incredible miracles. It was God that used Moses to part the Red Sea even. I mean, you talk about some incredible miracles that God did by using Moses. Now, Moses has died, and now it's, it's looking for leader. The Israelites are looking for leadership, and so God calls on a man named Joshua to help them enter the promised land. They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. Now, God has decided it's time for them to move on. Here we go. Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites, talking about the promised land. Now notice how God is referring, or how the author here is referring to Moses and then Joshua. Moses, the servant of the Lord, a mighty man in the faith. Right? And then you have Joshua, son of Nun, who is, what? What was his job again? An aide. Moses' administrative assistant, not even an executive assistant. This is Moses' aide, and, and he is filling some pretty big shoes here. And, and Joshua would have every reason, and he actually does have some resources. I don't think I'm cut out for this. I mean, you're going from, from Moses, the servant of the Lord who parted the Red Sea and had all these plagues that God used through him, and, and now I'm um, Joshua, and I, was, I went and got him coffee. <laughs> That's who God is passing on leadership to. Chapter 6, we see one of his major obstacles. Joshua's had several obstacles between chapter 1 and chapter 6, but this is a big one. And, and in order for the Israelites to continue to move into the promised land, there's these other cities, other nations that are in the way. And these cities have taken notice of the Israelites moving in, and so they have fortified their cities, and they're prepared to fight against the Israelites. So God says, Joshua, as you're entering into the promised land, you have to defeat some of these cities. One of these cities is Jericho. Now, if you've been in church at all, or if you grew up in Sunday school, you probably know that the walls of Jericho, what did they do? They came tumbling down. No, I'm not going to sing the song. So yes, Joshua and the Israelites, God's going to ask them to do something that is going to cause the walls to come tumbling down. And we might say, wow, Joshua, what a man of God. How much faith. He's a Bible hero. Yes, but it doesn't seem that way at first. And we kind of look at Joshua as, like I said, this Bible hero. But I want you to walk through with me this story of Joshua and Jericho and these walls and see that Joshua is more like you and I than we might first uh, admit. So here we go. Chapter 6, go from chapter 1. That was our introduction to Joshua. Now we actually get to see how, how he begins to follow God's calling 
in regards to defeating the city of Jericho. Chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Now, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. So remember, they're coming into town. All these other cities recognize it, and they, they fortify their, their cities up. No one went out, and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. So as Joshua is leading the Israelites into this promised land, Jericho, one of these cities, just bars up. They say, no one's coming in, no one's coming out. And God's response is, see, I've got it taken care of. <laughs> see, see those walls, see the fortified city that no one can come in and no one can come out of? Joshua, I've already delivered it to you. And he's thinking, that sounds wonderful, God. By all means, how are we going to do this? Am I going to have the strength of a thousand men? What are we going to do that we're going to be able to defeat this city? God has a brilliant plan. little sarcasm there. Verse 3 says, this is God's plan as he tells Joshua. Here's what you're to do. God says, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for how many days? Six. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear the sound, a, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, and everyone will go straight in. Brilliant plan, God. Joshua had to be thinking. Okay, so let me just say this back to you, God, to make sure that we're on the same page here. Um, we're going to walk around the city, and the walls are going to fall down. We're not going to fight. You don't need us to, to, to sneak in. We're just going to walk around the city, right? That's all we're going to do. And, and to us, we know the end of the story. Oh, of course, it's a faith moment. It's God's going to do something great. For Joshua and his men, it's, you've got to be kidding me. This, is, this sounds ridiculous. This is a bad plan. God, I'm not going to try to tell you what to do, but this is a bad plan. And not just the bad plan side of it. Again, Joshua had seen and heard the stories of what God has been doing for generations. The parting of the Red Sea, the plagues, and all the Bible heroes in his, in his history. And it gets to his turn. He had seen God use Moses in incredible, miraculous, powerful ways. And now God taps Joshua on the shoulder. And Joshua's like, this is my turn. This is it. I'm excited. I'm nervous. And I'm a little timid, but I'm excited. And God says, you ready for your big moment, Joshua? And he says, yeah, I'm ready. Walk around the city for a week that's it? <laughs> how about something a little bit more epic? How about, how about like me just fighting all of them and you give me the power of the Lord? Let's do that. That sounds a lot better. Give me like some of Samson's stuff. But no, it's walk around the city. Walk around it for six days and then I want you to walk around it seven times on the seventh day and watch what happens. God asked Joshua to walk in circles. That's Joshua's big moment. Joshua was asked by God to walk in circles. Now to Anybody watching, it seemed pretty insane. But when God asked it, it becomes a moment of faith. And God's plan for victory was walking in circles. That was the plan. Joshua was told by God, you will have victory, but it's going to take you walking in circles. God's plan for victory was to walk in circles. So that's what Joshua does. Verse 12, Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, that was all day one, uh, then on the second day, 
They marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. I love that scripture doesn't even feel necessary to tell you what happened from days three through six. <laughs> you saw what happened day one. Day two was the exact same. I'm not going to explain it to you. They just did it for the rest of the week. It was that mundane. It seemed almost that pointless where they just walked around in circles one time each day for six days. And they said they did that for the full six days. And check this out. There was no change. It would make more sense if they walked around for the first time. Oh, look, there's a crack in the wall. It's working. Let's all go back. We'll do it again tomorrow. And they walk around for the second time on the second day. Oh, and a little piece of the wall came up. This is, this is awesome. Let's do it a third time. That would have helped some of the, the motivation. But no, what happened was, all right, day one. Guess we'll go back to camp now. Day two. Let's go back to camp again. Day three. I'm not going to do this all six times. You get the point. <laughs> nothing happened. Nothing changed. There was no change. They continued to walk, and there was no change. You talk about feeling like you're doing nothing helpful, nothing important, nothing valuable, nothing that makes a difference. Be one of the armed men trying to fight for, for their country, and all they're doing is walking around in circles. Pointless, it feels like. And I'll tell you, about a week ago, or a week ago on Wednesday, um, my son came home with something. My oldest son, Connor, who's four and a half, he came home with something. And uh, it was a toy. And, you know, I'm fine with my kids having toys. And, and I love it when other people give my kids gifts. And the person that gave this gift is not sitting here right now, so I can say this. Um, it was a gift I wish they never gave my son, period. And, and it, was, it came from a great place. They were just wanting to just love on our family and to, you know, give a new toy to, to my son, Connor. And, and for that, I'm appreciative. But my son comes home with this, and I see what he's got, and, and I about lost it. I just said, there's no way this is going to be a lot of my house, like, period. I don't, sit, I don't put my foot down often, but this was going to be one of those moments. And Becky's like, no, you know, it's a new thing. And I'm like, okay, but we're going to put boundaries on this thing. Like, I, I'm not going to have him playing with this toy all day, every day. I mean, maybe not even in my presence. Like, if you see dad walk in, you have to go and put it away. It was that kind of a toy. And I'll show you, because I took it from him this morning. Um, here's what he came home with. Yes, yes. Um, if you don't know, I'm going to educate you on something. Everybody else, tell me what this is. It is a fidget spinner. And Connor said, Dad, it's called a fidget spinner. I said, oh, I know, son. And he said, I get the spinner, but what's the fidget part? And I said, oh, I don't have the words that are godly enough to tell you right now. So he came home with this. And, and it has been driving me crazy because here's what it does. Ready? That's what it does. Somebody tell me, what, what does a fidget spinner do? It spins, yes. And you spend like $30 on something that spins. Now, I will, I'll give this one. This one does a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you think that now. Try driving at night with this in the back of your car. I feel like I'm getting pulled over every single time. So he's got this thing, and he's doing it constantly, and it's driving me crazy, but it's swept the nation where just everybody is all about something that spins. And it's rather pointless. I thought about using, before the fidget spinner entered into my life, um, I thought about using another illustration of other things that go in circles, and uh, there seems to never be an end to it, but I thought NASCAR would be a bad illustration for Dawsonville, so I, boo, nah, you'll get over it, <laughs> but this is really all it does, 
all day, every day. If I said, you got to get rid of it. And so I think what I'm actually going to do is not give it back to him. I'm going to, I lost it at church. Oh, you don't live with him doing it. Don't awe me. Let your kid have one and see how well you like it. But it, this is all it does. And it's rather pointless. It spins over and over and over and over and over again. It doesn't do anything other than spin. And for the Israelites, that's what it had to have felt like. It's just my existence feels very pointless right now because we're not doing anything. It doesn't feel like it's actually helping or making a difference. And we know that we begin to walk in circles when you start asking one of these four questions. Is what I'm doing actually important? Is it making a difference? Is it helping? And man, the big one is, is it ever going to end? You know you're walking in circles when you start asking one or all of those questions. And, and all of a sudden you're thinking, well, why am I even bothering? And so whether that's in your marriage, man, there's a lot of work. I mean, walking around the city was work. I'm not saying they were lazy. It didn't take any effort. It was definitely work. But it wasn't showing any benefit. There wasn't any results coming from it. And in your marriage, maybe it's work, 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 and you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. Maybe with your kids, it's work, 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 and you're parenting. And you're like, I don't even think these kids are going to turn out okay. What, what am I doing? Is it actually going to make a difference? Am I actually helping? When's it actually going to end? Maybe in your job. And hopefully you get some time off through this long weekend, but maybe not. Maybe you end up at work tomorrow when everybody else is off, and you're like, why am I even here? How much longer do I have to keep just walking around in circles? I mean, you name it, whatever area of our life. Addictions are like this, where we get stuck, and we, we find ourselves stuck in an addiction. And man, we try to get out of it. We try to move past it, and we go to the groups, and we try to do everything right. Yet we just don't feel like we, we succeed. We don't feel like we're taking up any more ground and, and making up ground at all. And we walk in circles, and it's frustrating, it's discouraging, and it makes us want to just be done. Imagine being one of those armed men, day three, day four, maybe day five, walking around thinking, what's the point? Is something actually going to happen? We've seen no change, and we're doing the exact same thing every day. Maybe they start even questioning, Joshua, now when you say God talked to you, let's, let's walk that through for a second. What exactly, like... Where were you at? I mean, I, could you imagine starting to doubt Joshua and start questioning him? Was it really God or did you just maybe drink or eat a little too much the night before? And here we are walking in circles around a fortified city, all because of something you did the night before. What are we supposed to do with this? How frustrating, how discouraging, because it feels like we make no progress. Verse 15, day seven. They did all this for six days, just each day. Marching a circle around the city, no changes. Then verse 15. On the seventh day, they got up at, and I want you to underline this word and tell me what it is. They got up at when? Daybreak. I'll come back to that. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times. So this day is a little bit different than the other six. But they still did it in the same manner. You see that? They marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And then all of that prior to, and all that's going to happen with the nation of Israel afterwards, it all comes down to here, this one verse, chapter 6, verse 20, one verse. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. It all came down to that one verse in that one moment. Six days of walking in circles. The seventh day, you've been doing it now one times, two, three, 
four, still nothing, five, still nothing, six, still nothing. That seventh time, the final time around, when the trumpets blasted, when the men shouted, then in that one split second, one verse moment, the walls came down. Now you would imagine, oh man, Joshua's a hero. But for the week leading up to it, it felt like, what are we doing? All we're doing is walking in circles. Now, being on this side of the story, again, we can hold Joshua up as a, as a huge Bible hero, a father of the faith. Look at what he did. Because of his faith, he led the, the army and the nation of Israel, not just out of the desert, but into the promised land, defeating a fortified city of Jericho. I mean, when you talk it up like that, man, it sounds awesome. But let me, let me tell you exactly who Joshua really was and really all he did. First of all, what was he? He was Moses' what? Aid. He was Moses' aid. Right? And, and trust me, that doesn't, I mean, yes, he was kind of like the number two, but that doesn't mean number two from a tactical standpoint. It was a whatever Moses needed, you kind of got. So that, he was Moses' gopher, in a sense. And Numbers, if you go back further in the Old Testament, Numbers tells us that Joshua had been Moses' aide since his youth. So that's all he had known. He had just been there for Moses. Moses, whatever you need, I'm here to help. Moses, you need me to go get you some more coffee. Okay, I'll go get you more. You didn't like that. You want a decaf. My bad. I'll go get this one. That's what he did for Moses. He was Moses' aide. Now, when it came to what he was doing for God and Jericho and how God used him, all Joshua literally did was lead the, the army in circles. That's all he did. They came out of the desert where they had wandered in circles for 40 years, and his, how God used him was, Let's have them march and do some more circles. I'm sure the army loved him for that. Did you see, you kidding me? We, we just got out of this for 40 years, and we're going to march for one more week, whatever, seven more days. What's that to me, I guess? But all he did, understand this, God used him, yes, to do something great, but all God asked him to do is to walk in circles. His big moment is to walk in circles. He was Moses' aide. All he did was lead an army to walk in circles. And I want you to see this too. So Hebrews 11, shout it out if you know it. What do we call Hebrews 11? The hall of faith. Yes, hall of faith. Hebrews 11 just lists, it's an entire chapter of just kind of accolades of, man, look at all of these Bible heroes and their stories and what they have done and what God used them to do. I mean, it's like, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, uh, Jacob, Joseph, Moses is mentioned twice in here. I mean, it's just all of these fathers of the faith that we would look at as inspiring of just an incredible amount of faith for God. And then we get to verse 30. Let me read verse 30 out of this, what we would call the hall of faith. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. What's missing in that verse? Joshua's name. <laughs> you got to kind of feel bad for him. Everybody else is getting called out and named, and it goes on and on and lists Gideon and Samson and David and Jephthah. Have you ever heard of Jephthah before? He got named and Joshua didn't. It's an entire chapter of men and women of the faith, and Joshua doesn't get called out. What God used him for, it, hey, the, Jer the walls of Jericho fell because the Israelite army walked around in circles, and all Joshua did was lead the army around in circles. When you say it like that, he doesn't sound so impressive anymore. In fact, very unimpressive. But here's why that's encouraging. I don't have a story that really matches Moses. God has never talked with me in a burning bush, and I've never done a miracle like, like God had used him for with the plagues. I've never seen the Etowah River part because I, I, I walked into it. None of that is me. But Joshua, man, I feel like Joshua sometimes. Where it's like, okay, God, I, I hear what you're asking me to do, 
but that's just walking in circles. Is that, is that really what you're, you're calling me to do, just the same thing over and over? And even though Joshua was very, on paper, very unimpressive, not even all that inspiring, God used him to do something unbelievably impressive. So for you and I, if we don't have a story that, that is what we would deem inspiring and just an off-factor type of a story and faith and talents and gifts and all of this, know that God uses that as well. Who does God use? People like Moses, people like Abraham, also people like Joshua. And he uses them to do incredible things, even if it is just by walking in circles. So let me give you just a few things, four things that Joshua did when he was walking around the walls that I think will help us when we're walking around in our circles. Again, the moments where you're asking, is this helpful? Is this actually doing anything? Or am I just spinning around in circles and this is all pointless? Why even bother? These four areas, these four ways that Joshua was walking is going to help us out a lot. First one is simply keep walking. Keep walking. It says that after God gave Joshua the instructions on what to do, as ludicrous as it kind of sounded, he got up early the next morning and he did it. And he did it for day two, and he then did it for day three, day four, day five, day six. And I had you underline, or at least remember, if you go back to verse 15, what was that word that I had you underline, or at least remember? Daybreak. Verse 15, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, marched around the city seven times in the same manner. He kept walking. You have to imagine it was discouraging. Again, that day three, four, five, definitely on day six, you're walking around the city, heads are starting to hang, and Joshua's, nope. Same time. Maybe by day six, a lot of the, the army was thinking, hey, Joshua, hey, we've been doing the same thing for five days. Nothing's happened yet. I don't think God will mind if we sleep in. Let's just walk around maybe a little bit later. Seventh day, hey, we've been doing it for six days. We have to do it seven times. Let's rest up. No, every single time they did it in the same manner as God instructed them to, and they did it first thing. When we're walking around in circles, we tend to lose momentum and motivation, and we get slower and slower and later and later and in Joshua shows us the right way to do it. It's the consistency. That's the faithfulness. Keep walking, even though it feels like, and we may be, and oftentimes, we're walking in circles. They didn't give up. They kept walking. Also, walk in your own shoes. You've heard it said to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. Well, that's good to help with our empathy and our sympathy, to gain perspective from somebody else's point of view. That's helpful. That's very beneficial for a time. Walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. That's a mile. It's not the rest of your life. And what Joshua did is he owned who he was and what God had asked him to do. He very easily could have said, God, I'm not Moses, but man, if you use me like Moses instead of just walking around in circles, maybe we could defeat Jericho. And so often we, we already say no to God because we're not somebody else. And he's looking at you and he's looking at me and says, I want to use you. And it might look and feel like walking in circles, but I want to use you regardless and we have all of our excuses. Well, if I was so-and-so, and if I had their gifts, if I had a faith like them, if I had the family history like them, then I could be used. If I was the boss, then I could make a difference. No, walk in your own shoes, the, the place that God has, has put you. Whether it is Moses, the servant of the Lord, or whether it's Joshua, his aid, Moses' aid, let us each walk in our own shoes, and keep walking. Thirdly, walk with your head up high. Walk with your head held high. Like I said, as they're walking around, there had to have been moments, many moments of discouragement. 
And God would have known that, would have known what he was really asking, what he was going to be asking. I want you to see at the beginning, before Joshua heads to Jericho, this is still chapter 1. If you go back to chapter 1, God says, hey, Joshua, I'm calling you. You're the next leader. Here's what I'm calling you to do. And then he spends like a chunk of time just getting Joshua pumped up. He says, God tells him, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. Be strong and very courageous in verse 7. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it. He goes on and on. Then he says, verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The point there is God calls Joshua and then gives him this long pep talk of, Strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous, because God knows what he's going to ask of him later. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's, it takes a lot of strength and a lot of courage to walk in circles. Imagine if you're in Jericho, you're in this fortified city where no one can come in and no one can come out, and you see the Israelite army coming, and instead of fighting and storming the gates, what do they do? They start walking around you in circles. You're going to be laughing for sure. You're curious, you're questioning, you're like, wow, we were worried about them. I don't think we have anything to worry about. And you're ridiculing them and you're taunting them and you're throwing things at them. You're yelling at them. And they do this, they have to endure not just the walking, but kind of a walk of shame of, I wonder what the people of Jericho are thinking about, about us right now. Oh, no, I can hear those words perfectly clear. <laughs> I mean, the way that we interact with God and the way that God interacts in our life, please hear this, is different than what the world sees. The world looks in and says, you're just walking in circles, pointless. But when we're following God, there's purpose behind it. And God chose to use walking in circles as his plan for victory. That takes strength, that takes courage, that takes patience, that takes persistence, that takes endurance to walk in circles when the world doesn't see the point. But when we say, no, this is what God's word says, we're faithful. We do what God has asked me to do. When I take this book and I apply it to my life, the world looks at us as if we're crazy walking in circles. And situations arise, and we are joyful instead. It seems crazy. When we have difficulties and crises come into our lives, and we just stop and we pray about it, it seems crazy. When somebody brings up the fact that we're generous and we give, not just our time, but even our money, that just seems crazy. The way that we interact with God and the way that God interacts with us in our life seems crazy to the rest of the world. Keep walking, walk in your own shoes, and keep your head up high. Last one, don't walk alone. Don't walk alone. God did not ask Joshua to walk around the city of Jericho for a week by himself. He said, get the army. So he had an army walking around with him for each of these days. Not just an army, remember, there was a group of people sandwiched between them. You had Joshua leading the way, and you had the army up front, and then you had the rear guard behind, but who, what group of people was in the middle? Remember? The priests. The priests were in the middle. And so as Joshua is leading the charge around Jericho, he has his men with him, he has his army with him, he also has the priests with him. And not just the priests, they're carrying around the Ark of the Covenant. For, for them in the Old Testament, and this day, that was representative of God's presence even. God was walking with them around the city. Joshua did not walk by himself. He walked with his men and he walked with God, even though it looked like and it most certainly felt like they were walking in circles. The Apostle Paul gives us one last encouragement that I want to lead you, leave you with. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war 
as the world does. Does that make sense? Even though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Our tactics of believers and followers of Jesus is very different than the tactics of our world. Verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Once again, the way the world sees us as a believer, followers of Jesus, can look very different. And yes, it feels like we're just walking in circles. We begin to ask, is it worth it? Is it actually helping? Is it making a difference? Is it ever going to end? The world would give us 101 other ways to do it. And God says, no, be faithful to me. Take what you read and what he says out of here. Keep walking. Don't do it alone. Walk with him. And even when the rest of the world calls you crazy for walking in circles, say, but I'm following God. And I would rather follow God in circles than follow my own way. I don't know what strongholds you're you're coming up against and you're facing strongholds in your family, in your marriage, with your kids as parents, job situations, relational issues, addictions. We all have the strongholds. And conventional wisdom would say, man, just charge it and break through it. God says, walk around it with me. Keep walking until I Till I, God says, till me. Now understand that's the difference. Joshua didn't make the walls fall down. God made the walls fall down. And it'd be great if God gave Joshua the command, walk around the city one time and watch what happens. <laughs> he says, no, do it for a week and see what happens. In other words, it's going to take longer than you might think. But keep walking. Don't give up. Let God walk with you as you follow him. And even though it feels like you're walking in circles, Watch God do a miracle in your life. Watch God demolish the strongholds in your life. Through prayer, through worship, through this place, not the walls and the fact that we're in a theater. No, the fact that the people you're sitting next to. We do life together as a church. So we're a family together. We're a body of believers. We don't act the way this world acts. The way that God interacts with us is different. So may you continue to walk in circles. May you continue to hold your head up high as you own who you are and who God has called you to be and how God's choosing to use you. And may you never walk circles alone. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for the promises you give us. The promise that if we will follow you, you will take care of us. And it's not the everything will work out perfectly the way that we have planned. No, it's the promise that you will take care of us, that you will always be with us, that you will never leave us. God, you are faithful. May we continue to walk circles faithfully with you. Keep us from discouragement. Keep us from slowing down. May we keep walking until those strongholds are demolished by you. Thank you for using the very unimpressive because it gives the rest of us hope. In Jesus' name.